This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Yak Gadget, made in America, based outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yak Gadget offers all kinds of storage accessories, quick mount motor mounts, anchor systems, track monitored accessories, even paddles. Go to yakgadget.com and get your kayak decked out for your next trip out on the water. The 153 Bay Company, based in Troy, Ohio, make everything from plastics to custom painted hard baits. Hook them hard and hook them off. All of our baits are made to order and all of our hard baits are hand painted to order. So go to the153anglers.com to place your order today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinnerbaits, buzzbaits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. You're listening to Fast Fishing for News, Alan Finn Podcast, with your hosts, Ryan Milford and Sean Lambert. Welcome back to Bass Fishing for Noobs on the Paddle and Finn Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. Got the co-host, Sean, back in here. How's it going, Sean? Hey, what's up? Not bad, not bad. Today today we have an awesome episode coming. We have probably <laughs> probably one of the nicest, most inspirational uh, people in kayak fishing here. We got Miss Catherine Field. Welcome to the hey, show. Hey, guys. <laughs> Welcome. I'm excited to be on here. I'm a... Uh... This uh, the topic of bass fishing for noobs is sort of my lifestyle. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm living at large as far as a noob goes. So. Yeah, and we were talking a little bit before we started recording here, and <laughs> like I was saying, like you're like the ultimate noob. Like you got into <laughs> it and you just went straight into it, and it seems mm-hmm. like you you learn so fast. And you know that's one of the things I'd like to kind of get into tonight uh, is like your method, I guess you can say, on how you've developed so quickly uh, with your uh, fishing skills and all that. But uh, for anybody that don't know you, you want to go over who you are and everything? (laughs) 
All right. Well, Kate Field, Captain Field. Um, I'm live in Utah. That's where my main residence is. Though I do have a, a base camp in, in Tennessee um, that got started up uh, in the fall. Just hopefully make my life a little easier chasing all these tournaments because it's thousands of miles, <laughs> thousands of miles away. We don't have a lot of tournaments uh, nationally that are located in this area. But um, I've been. Let's see. This is beginning of my, beginning of my third season of bass fishing. So two years, but three seasons. I don't know how all that math works, but um, <laughs> but pretty much dove into it. I, I fished. Uh, I did fish as as a little girl and stuff with my family, uh, not for bass or anything like that. Uh, mainly trout and salmon. Um, and then uh, in my adult life, I, I had some, some medical issues, really couldn't get outdoors and do a lot of things. But um, over time, I was able to, you know, uh, maybe about five or six years ago, finally was able to get to the point where I could like bank fish for, for trout and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, I, my life changed at a casino. <laughs> but... <laughs> I uh, I went to a casino down here uh, outside St. George in Nevada in Mesquite. And um, just for fun, I, I took like 200 bucks and I went to those $5 slots. You know, I put in 200 bucks. I was just going to hit like bet max. So I was like 10 bucks a swing. And I thought I'd get, you know, 20 swings at, you know, changing my life or something. <laughs> and uh, about halfway through, I hit a jackpot for like nine grand. And... Wow. And I thought, well, afterwards, I'm like, man, what do I want to do? I, I really wanted to get off the bank and chase trout. And nine grand isn't enough for a giant boat. I started looking at like old used boats. And I realized that that was just going to be a money pit for me. And then I saw um, it was actually Ryan Lambert and Greg Blanchard were doing these videos on on kayaks. And I had never heard of kayak fishing, but I thought, wow, that is something that maybe I could, I could do that, that, that has like pedals and I could maybe get off the bank and chase trout. And, um, so I, I, they didn't have any dealers in the state of Utah for, for that brand. And so I ordered it online and it got drugged through like every stockyard between Texas <laughs> and Utah it was came, it arrived all dinged up and missing a rudder and it was a, oh, wow. a mess. It was a mess. I didn't know what I was getting into at all. Um, I mean, I ordered it and I didn't even have like a trailer. I didn't have anything. So, but got the trailer and the kayak with my, my uh, jackpot from the casino. So, um, and sort of trying to figure out what to, how to do this thing. Um, I've, I ran into some folks on Facebook with a group called kayak fishing, Utah. And uh, met a couple of them, and, and they seemed really nice. And they said they did these bass tur kayak tournaments. And I had never in my life heard of that. I'd never fished for bass. Um, and this was um, sort of the beginning of uh, 2019. Um, they were going to have a tournament in April. And so this early spring of 2019, I tried – to learn how to fish for bass on my own. And I would watch like some YouTube videos or something. And I fished for four months and I never caught a bass. Like, <laughs> like 
I never caught a bass until like two weeks before the tournament. I caught my first bass and uh, I did the tournament. And I think I got like three or four bass in that. And I got hooked right away and just dove in the deep end, started doing all the onlines I could, doing the locals. And then the next year, uh, last year, um, started doing the national level trails and I haven't stopped. Now I'm like doing it all the time, all the time, <laughs> driving all over. Oh, but that's it in a nutshell. In a show. <laughs> so no, I'm just that story, though, could be any of us noobs. You know, it's crazy because mm -hmm. that's exactly, I mean, it sounds exactly like how I got started. It sounds to me similar to Ryan. I mean, although we've kind of. I didn't hit a jackpot. We our, <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of dipped our toes in and didn't cannonball into the deep end like you did. But uh, no. that's that's still, I mean, props to you for be, uh, taking that leap. You know, that's awesome. I sort of, that's sort of the theme in my life. I sort of jump in the deep end and try and figure it out as I'm drowning <laughs> and try and not die. But uh, yeah, that's, well, that's what I, I like. So it, uh, it took you a lot less time than it did me to finally catch my first bass. I think it took me over a year to actually. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like it, like looking back, it's crazy. Like how did I stay like so dedicated to bass fishing when I wasn't catching any bass. Like I'd go out, uh, you know, I, I think back then it was like every other weekend, maybe every three weekends. And, you know, I bought a boat and all that. And like, I, I was like, not all in, I guess, but as all as in as I could be at the time financially to, um, to bass fishing and still hadn't even caught a bass. Like I, I think I was mm -hmm. on my, second boat by the time i caught my first bass and i didn't even catch it from a boat i caught it from the bank there you go <laughs> oh man i was uh i was using my dad's spinning rod from i think it was like a 1966 or 67 wow. like it was like an old spinning rod with monofilament. I don't even know, remember what I caught it on. It might've been just some jig that I was dragging around. I mean, I almost feel like it was the accidental bass. Like <laughs> somehow I managed to get one in the boat, but um, yeah, I really didn't really have any strategy or concept of what I was doing until after that tournament. Then I really started realizing like I, if I want to do this, I need to be a little more methodical and, and really try to be more concentrated in how I'm approaching this. So, so what would you say is like the first uh, like tactic you got comfortable with or first bait? Well, I live in Utah and most of our uh, reservoirs are um, very deep, very clear water. I mean, we're talking most <clears> of the time, like, 20 to 30 feet of visibility. Um, not a lot of structure, maybe some little drop offs and ledges or some sagebrush that blew in somewhere <laughs> and sank, you know? Um, so I had watched, I want to say it was tactical bassin or something, a video about Ned rigging. And that's where I sort of got my first fishing rod as I decided I'm going to just I'm going to learn how to do this net rigging because that technique 
um, seemed to make the most sense for where I was living with that, you know, something that I could just focus on that wasn't too complicated, that was going to require a lot of time and patience, which is most the fishing. Because <laughs> it's just you, the water's so cold and they don't manage it very well for bass. So that's what I focused was I got a, a, um, I got a, a Dobbins uh, Champion Extreme. Like I went, <laughs> championship, I got like a $300 rod, the 742. And, um, and I didn't know any better on reels or line or anything. I just knew the rod. And I started out with, um, Ned, you know, little Ned jig heads and some TRDs from Z-Man. And I was still using monofilament line that whole first season, you know, just, and I didn't have various different sizes of jig heads. I had super light and, um, it was, interesting like i remember i caught a bass and it was my pb that year that it was in about 40 to 45 feet of water wow on that on that monofilament line and it was a like a 16 and a half inch bass it was like the biggest one i ever caught in my life and it took forever to get it up there with this because <laughs> it was just kept stretch that line was just stretch and the spinning rod and i had my drag way too loose and but uh, it's amazing how, you know, you get that much line and, and a stronger fish and monofilament. It has a lot, it has a lot of give. And that, yeah. in a way that was probably the only kind of hook is that little tiny Ned rig, that little fine hook was probably the best one for me on that. Just to try and keep it, keep it on the line. But well, you right. know, I, I was thinking, as you said that, I wonder if like that mono might've maybe helped you. I, I know, I don't know about you personally, but some people I feel like starting out with that would help because when you're first starting like with a Ned rig, you know, setting the hook with a Ned rig, you ain't actually supposed to like sit. The no. hook. You're just kind of, yeah. Know, little, well, a lot of people when they set the hook, they're, you know, big hook sets. Yeah. So, so I don't know how you are personally, but I think that would help some people, you know, without like to keep from ripping the bass's face off. Mm -hmm. Uh, having that stretch in that mono. I think it was definitely much more forgiving for someone that's learning the techniques. The The downside is that it was very hard to pick up the really subtle bites to feel the subtle yeah. bites because of that. And plus it, you know, it floats and, you know, so yeah. it takes a long time with floating <laughs> line to go that deep. Oh but, my gosh, I can't um, imagine. It's, you know, you could do it, but it just... I definitely think for a beginner, I don't think, I don't think that kind of spe specificity um, is that important as much as just the time you spend on the water, your gear, the stuff you're using. I don't think necessarily the beginning is, is going to make all that difference It's the time on the water and learning and gaining that confidence because those, those, those even mono it's forgiving. Um, but once you start dialing that in, you know, then, then I moved to, I do braid with uh, a fluoro leader now for that kind of style for a lot of different styles, but um, that just gives me a little more sensitivity for those bites that I probably were, were missing a lot of because I had no clue what was going on down there, but you know. That's, it's also the fear of gut hooking them because those Ned rigs, they can swallow them so fast if you don't feel them and 
So I assume that still to this day, you fish a Ned rig in deep water like that. And you said you mm-hmm. sprayed the fluoro. Mm-hmm. So how long of a fluoro leader are you putting on that when you're fishing that deep? Um, if it's the braid floats too. Yeah. So if I, depends on the clarity of the water of like, if it's in Utah, I actually run like a 15 to 20 foot leader. Um, some people run, run really short, but the, I'll run that really long leader. Um, just my own personal preference. Um, the rest of the time, probably, oh, seven to 12, maybe. I, re- I run long leaders, just um, part of it is I just feel that that prevents a much more subtle presentation. I don't like the chance of having that braid line around there. Um, and I do the, you know, I do like an FG knot and, you know, if I change stuff around, I just don't want to have to tie that a bunch. So I like having a little longer leader. So yeah. I don't have to worry that I got to, you know, retie a bunch on that. It's, it's, you know, it's not the, it's complicated and I do it. Okay. But it's just something I'd rather not have to do a lot. And, <laughs> you know, so. No, Hey, I'm lazy. I, I 100% agree with you. And I, I yeah. keep, I probably keep like a 10 to 12 foot leader on my setup for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I do this. I do the same, and for the same exact reason, uh, just so I don't. I know I don't have to tie the leader very often. Uh, the, yeah. My only difference is I, I and I forget who I read. I just I just read, and it made a little sense to me. Is that he ties? He tries to tie it his leader so that it's it's long, but just uh, long, short enough that it won't go into the reel. <clears throat> so I, I started trying to do that. I think. So my but see, I use I use spinning reels for net rigging. So I don't yeah. really have that as much issue with that as you would with a bait caster possibly. Well, I use with mostly that. spinning too. So yeah, yeah. I mean that knot, the knot that FG knot goes through really well, but you know that's a little harder with a bait caster setup when you have much smaller eyelets, and you know that that can get really frayed. And you know I've had bad experiences with having that longer stuff through there, but you know. Yeah, I I generally use the Alberto knot just because that's the first knot I used with tying leaders, and I've never really looked into other knots because, like I said, I'm lazy. So (laughs) that works. So I just stuck with it. But I I feel like I've gotten pretty good at that, and you know, decently fast, and I've gotten where I can get them pretty small. It fit through guides pretty well. I I tie the Alberto too when I have time, like if I'm doing it at home, but on the water, I almost always tie a double uni just because it's the only one I know I can tie quickly and somewhat securely, but I know that's a a bigger knot, but. I still balance in my kayak and tie that FG knot, but (laughs) you know, if I have to, but it's funny you talk about knots. um, You know, I still am tying the same knot to hooks that my grandpa showed me when I was a little kid and I just, other people show me different knots and the Palomar knot, whatever. And it's, I never want to tie them because I just like the one that I, I know. Um, and I, you know, I've had instances where I will break off, but not, not very often. Um, as long as I keep checking my knot, but, um, it's funny how we just have confidence in this one thing and to keep using mm-hmm. it, uh, it's, you know, I don't know. 
superstition or something. So, so what knot is that? The one you tied to your lures? Oh, I think I don't one know. of the most they common always... is the improved clinch knot. Yeah, it might be that. Well, I was I always learned it as the fisherman's knot, so maybe that's what it is. Or I'm, yeah, I'm not it, sure. It, yeah, the improved clinch is where you know you put it through the eye and then you twist it. I always twist it six times, then you yep. go through the loop it made there. And then you come back up through the loop you just made and then cinch it down. Yeah, I never, uh, I put that tag in through the loop and then I pull it tight. And usually that's enough. I don't usually put it back through. If I if I ever want to tighten it back up, I'll put like two square knots at the top. Yeah, I, <laughs> and I don't know why, but that seems to work. I'm and, not a, uh, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. So don't quote me on it. But I think if you don't go back up through the other loop, I think it's just a clinch knot. And then okay. going up through the other loop is the improved clinch knot. I'm yeah. not sure, so don't quote me. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, yeah. But my grandpa showed me that one as a little girl, and that's a, that's just what I've always used. And maybe at some point I'll feel brave enough to start trying new knots. But I don't know. It hasn't been a bad one for me. So hey, if it works, it works. Yeah. yeah. But I, I do use the uh, polymer knot on my topwater setup where my braid. Um, I don't think I ever really had an issue with using the improved. I, I use the improved clinch knot on pretty much everything except for that. And I don't think I really had an issue with that, but people said it holds better. So I learned it. And, uh, yeah. and so, yeah, I use that with braid, uh, when I'm tying a lure directly to braid, which is only with top water for me. Yeah. So, well, I'll have to try that one. <laughs> It's, it's not I'm so learning, bad once you learn it. I'm it learning was, top water. I'm trying. I uh, when we were in Dardanelle, um, I I learned a frogfish really in that tournament. <laughs> I I I had uh, my friend Guillermo had showed me some tips last summer on frogging, and we spent like a couple hours on in the water and never caught anything. And I caught um, caught a frog in in a, a pond in Nebraska farm pond with, with, uh, Christine, that was like my first frogfish I ever caught, but I never caught anything since then or, or in the, the yak. And, and I was just in the right place for that kind of bite, um, on the Dardanelle. And I decided to do that whole tournament frogging, having never really caught a frog from a kayak ever. And I did the first day I had like 80 and a half inches. Wow, and man, wow, it was crazy. It, I caught so I caught some nice fish on the frog, but uh, the next day, the water temp dropped. It was like when I first pre-fished it, it was seventy degrees, and the spot I and they were in like nine inches to to two feet of water, a lot of emergent vegetation, lily pads, and I had it all to myself. And I went back there for the day one. It had you know the temperature dropped. It was fifty eight degrees, and but they were still hitting that frog. But I had to really finesse it very slow. A lot of long pauses, and they would hit it on a long pause. Um, but day two it was wind, and the water temps were fifty three in the morning, and there was no frog bite until <laughs> the afternoon. And then uh, and then they just they honestly they they missed my frog. I had, at the very end I had three really nice bass completely come out of the water after my frog and i'm like waiting waiting and my frog's still floating there like they completely <laughs> they're like the most nearsighted bass ever except that they just 
completely missed it, but they were not coming out of the water like that. Um, hmm. On day one, they were very, they just come up and from the bottom and just, you know, suck it down. There was no big giant um, blow up or anything like that. It was a very quiet uh, destruction of my frog, <laughs> but <laughs> But that was a lot of fun, and that was a, a great way, you know, like they say, I was here, like, don't learn it, new techniques and tournaments, but I'm at the point where I just, I'm going to learn it if it's the right situation, and I think it works, and I can do it successfully, I'm going to try and do it, and I don't care if it's in a tournament or whatever. I mean, if it gets the fish in the boat, then that's that's the end result's what matters to me. So, and I learned a lot doing it in the process. I've gained a lot of confidence doing it. I was going to say, if I have an 80 inch day when I'm learning a, a bait, uh, I'd probably never put that bait down again. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, I it's only, 30 degrees. I'm trying the frog. I, I just want I, an 80 inch day, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I, it was really good. I was like in 35th place after day one and I was just feeling super stoked because Dardanelle and I from the fall had sort of a love hate relationship and, you know, to be able to go in there and do better this time and figure it out and, and try it, try a technique and be successful at it. Just that meant more to me than, you know, my, where I was in the rankings, because I just did something that I thought was just crazy impossible. And I was catching those frogfish and, um, man, I loved it, but I only had, okay. So I only had six frogs to my name. I had bought like, <laughs> I bought three. Um, I don't even know what they're called. This is why I'm like perfect for your show as a new, they have like the frog has like a boat keel bottom. I don't know if there's like a normal frog, but um, so I had one that was green, one that was white, and one was black. And they had that sort of boat keel. And then I had the exact green, black, and white, but a popper. Um, and they were they were hitting. I would I would use that frog, and, and they were going very very subtle. I'd move it very subtle, let it pause for you know five to seven seconds, move it very subtle, just sort of vegetation to vegetation, and. Um, I lost my frog. I looked at it and I'm like, that knot doesn't look right. And I don't know why I didn't stop <laughs> what I was doing and look at it. I was just like, my brain goes, that doesn't look right. And then I cast it out and then I got hit. And there where my frog went mm. later and they wouldn't hit there. I was on a green frog and they wouldn't hit the white one or the black one. So all I had left was a, the same green color, button, a popper, which which I don't have really a lot of experience at all with poppers. They make a lot, they move a lot of water. So I was trying even harder not to, because the minute I started splashing around, they wouldn't hit it. They were only hitting like, I know, like sub hibernating, sleepy plastic frogs. <laughs> so, but now after that, I sort of got bit by the frog bug. So I did, I went on Omni and ordered a bunch of, a bunch of frogs. <laughs> See, I, I feel like I own a decent amount of frogs and I've never caught a fish on a frog. Like I, I rarely throw it because everybody always says throw it around grass and we don't have a lot of grass around here. So I don't ever throw it. But uh, yeah. I, I remember last year Academy had their big sale back in like February and they had these, these booyah frogs on sale. They got like a little clear plopper thing that coming off uh -huh. the back of them. You seen those? Yeah, and I, I bought several of those because you know I 
when it comes to top water, like I've always been big on the whopper plopper. I'm like, it's like a frog and kind of like a whopper plopper all in one. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying and I, I think I've tied it on for like five minutes one time, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I need some grassy lakes to go to. I've, kind of I've just, been, I ahead. haven't had much experience with the grassy lakes. Um, you know, so that's just something I still need to to have a little more time with. I, you so know, I you did do. Them, are you not using them around grass? I haven't really been on grassy lakes. Like I, I don't, I don't even know what I'm looking at most of the time. I'm like, when we went to Florida, um, you know, I was like, I don't even know what to do with this. It's like a carpet of vegetation as for miles. And there's, I guess, grass. Like, I don't even know the name of most <laughs> of the stuff that I'm floating over. Um, everybody talks about hydrilla and I'm not even sure what hydrilla really looks like. <laughs> I don't, I just assume that that thing is what they think is hydrilla. I don't even know. So, I mean, that's, I'm still learning so much as I go along and cause we don't have, uh, you know, in Utah where I started, they don't have grass lakes. There's not, there's not really a, a giant top water bite most of the time. Um, so all those things are things that I'm trying to, to learn. So at Dartnell, what, what kind of areas were you throwing it in that it was working? <clears throat> it was a, a big mud flat that had, you know, like I said, it was nine, you know, shallow up to two feet. And it had, I don't know what the vegetation that was growing in there was, but it looked like seaweed and it was in patches. And so you had patches of the seaweed that was sort of, you know, coming from the bottom and sort of float flowing a little bit on top with holes in it. That was a mud bottom. So they were sort of in and around that vegetation. And then there were stems of lily pads um, from last year that were growing up. And there were a couple little lily pads here and there. So it was a lot of, I'm sure in the summer, that thing is all probably just matted in and, and lily pads and everything. But um, there were a lot of spaces in between the vegetation so that's why i was working that from like piece of plant to piece of plant and they would ambush it up through there cool i don't know what the I, name of the plant was <laughs> <So>. <laughs> i want to i would tie on a frog you know very quickly if i ever found pads but i i, I don't ever see lily pads where i'm at and so like, I think that would be awesome to see a big, you know, I've seen pictures and stuff of it, like big old uh, area of lily pads. Like, I, I think that'd be awesome just hop a frog over top of it and, you know, get blown up. And That would be cool. But then and I, I probably fish pads wrong because I have found some pads in Texas, some lily pads, and I actually fish wacky rigs and I'm... <laughs> So I just like drop worms down through the holes and, you know, that's when I've caught some pretty big fish, but cause it seems I, like so much on top. I could, I could see that working. The, the only thing, you know, like I said, I have no experience with that, but just first thing pop my head is what kind of line are you using? Cause I feel like, you know, Oh, I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. That most of the wacky rigs I use like a 30 pound braid to 12 pound leader. 
Um, and when that, when I have done that and gotten the fish all wrapped up, I just, I don't pull. I just go to where the fish is and, and try and grab them out of there. It's usually shallow or try and get it with my net. I don't, I don't try and pull them out with the line at all. I just go to the fish because I know I will break it <laughs> so, because I'm using probably completely the entirely wrong line uh, and technique for that, but it, it works. So Let's see, I, I would be the opposite. <laughs> I'd be like yanking on it. Like, come on out of there. And I'd end up breaking them off. Yeah. I just started, um, I just started worm fishing. Um, this past month, um, I when I was in Texas doing the Trinity River Trail system, you know, I was looking all over for for bass, and I was fishing cut banks in the backs of these creeks, and the water was really super muddy, so I couldn't really see anything. And um, I was using a, a, a Zoom Ultra, Ultra, it was like seven seven inch Ultra Vibe Speed Worm. Um, that and I just learned how to like put the little uh, tungsten weight and peg it like it's like <laughs> you know so I was in Texas rigged that thing and so I was tossing it up against the the edges of that that cut bank and man I got some really big fish and when I got them in they had little bloody tails and that's when I realized that these had beds I'd never fished beds or anything but they hated that worm so much the minute i i could find the beds by just i would just sort of piece piecemeal my way down the bank um where they'd be up on these banks up next to some like uh under vegetation overhangs or or some wood laydowns or something like that but man i get that in there and i get i get the male and then i get the female off these off these beds you know, not being able to see them, but just from, from catching that fish and realizing what was happening. But that was, that was my first time throwing a worm and man, they hated that thing so much. Like they'd hit that. If I didn't get a hit in like 30 seconds, I might as well just pull it out of there. <laughs> they hated it so much, but um, that's, I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff to learn. And, you know, I, I'm not afraid to try it. And maybe the stuff I do, maybe I do it incorrectly. Um, probably, <laughs> but it's, it's what I'm learning. So at some point, maybe I'll find whatever the, maybe my methods aren't right, but I'm trying to, trying to learn and, and, and apply it in those tournament situations as best I can. We well, you know something that I've found is, you know, you're talking about doing things incorrectly. I feel like to an extent, there's a correct way to do things. But I, f I feel like a lot of it has to do with your own preference. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I remember when I first started jig fishing, was basically when I first started bass fishing, that was one of my first techniques. People were like, oh, you want a heavy rod? You, you want, like, this heavy line, you know, you know, people would say anywhere from 20 to 30 pound braid or, you know, 20 pound fluoro and all this. And, you know, over the years, I've gotten to where now I, I use a medium heavy, a medium heavy rod with a fast tip. And I use 15 pound fluoro. And I, even the jig itself, you know, 
they're like, oh, you, you want this jig head? And like, like, they're telling me to get these football jigs. So that's what I had for the longest time. It, you know, come to find out later on down the road, it's not the best jig head for where I was fishing at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I'm in like flipping jig and uh, stuff like that. And, you know, I've, you know, Jig Masters are sponsor here on, mm-hmm. on Pat on Fin. You know, they make that light wire jig. I've fallen in love with that. I've caught some good fish on on those. You know, I got little sissy hook sets when it comes to <laughs> uh, fishing. So, so uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a decent sized dude, but don't let that fool you. I, I got sissy <laughs> hook sets, and so that that little hook helps helps me penetrate better. So I, I feel like so much of that is preference. So if whatever you're doing is working for you and your preference, I feel like, you know, you're doing it right then. I, yeah, I agree with that. But it's hard sometimes when I, when people ask me, some really experienced anglers ask me wh- what I'm doing. And this happened. And I remember like in lacrosse, uh, some of my friends, because I was finding some fish in these sloughs and, Along, along these uh, eddies and, and cut banks and things like that. And they're like, what are you throwing? And I'm like, well, I'm just going up against the vegetation with a, a, a light Ned rig in the current with a hula stick. <laughs> and they looked at me like I was insane because you know that I think most people feel like they're gonna get hung up, but it was light enough that it was just, you know, it would just go with the current really slowly. Um, you know, obviously you gotta pay attention and not get it you're going to hang up if you get it towards the bottom or up in those things, but there's ways you can, you can swing that. And there's a lot of different things that you, that you can, I mean, I've, I've even would use a hula sticks and and on a Ned rig and and swim it in open water. And it's actually kept caught fast doing that. I mean, there's just, I think sometimes not having that kind of, you know, experience of like, quote, the right way you have to do something um, allows you to be a little more agile and unconventional and, and not be afraid to try some new things. And if, if I would say anything, anybody that's just learning to bass fish is just go out and spe- have the time on the water. That's really what makes the biggest difference is, is learning that and, and applying what you like to do and perfecting what you like to do and how to catch those fish. And then you can go from there on to, to other techniques and, and try them the way you like to try them. Well, that, that was another thing I was going to say, you know, we've talked about how far and how fast you've come, but you have put so much time. I mean, you did the, you know, the 250 day challenge, right? Where you, or how many yeah. days a year do you fish? So yeah, that, that's where I think what separates you from a lot of, you know, anglers, and maybe it's not all their fault where, you know, you just don't have the time to do that, but um, that definitely is going to make a difference in how quickly you learn something is if you spend that amount of time, put it in, putting into a time on the water, um, you're going to pick up things faster. I think. That was the best. That was a challenge I gave myself. Um, Cause I'd heard, um, I've been listening to Christine Fisher on a podcast, talk about time on the water. And I thought to myself, like, how am I going to get better? How can I compete with these people that are these amazing anglers? I've been doing this for so long that know all this stuff. And I decided, like, I was going to challenge myself to to fish on, you know, my own fishing time on the water. And 
at the time I started, I started on my birthday, my 49th birthday. And uh, so it was like birthday to birthday when I first started that. And, and that, that was, it's not easy doing 250 days in, in a year. And I don't even know if I'll be able to complete it this year. I'm still trying, but the, um, I learned so much and it didn't have to be giant fishing sessions. It often was before work or after work for half an hour. A lot of it ended up being from the bank because I was just too tired after work or it was dark or, you know, conditions were bad. But I learned so much by going out and fishing in adverse conditions because it used to be like, I'll go out because, okay, it's not windy. It's going to be a nice day. Let's go fishing. Well, I was going fishing when it was snowing and when it was blowing 20 miles an hour and when it's, you know, hot and awful, you know, just the worst conditions. And I discovered like, I mean, that's how I got into things like spinner baits and I decided I figured out how much I love fishing in a windstorm against riprap with spinner baits. And it's, you know, and it's only because I was going out and fishing no matter what in all kinds of weather and trying to figure out how to catch fish in every adverse atmosphere that I could find and fish, you know, all over the country trying to do that. I would, I'd fish on the road. I was driving back from Nebraska and I would pull off and they'd like, they'd be like these little pit ponds and stuff like that. I go fish those, you know, just to, to have, get that in. And it makes such a difference when you discover that bass don't just bite on really nice sunny days when it's 75 and you know, your beer is nice and cold. <laughs> like They'll bite, they'll bite when it's, you know, 41 and blowing 20 miles an hour. It's just, Heart, you know, it's a challenge to try and figure out where they're at and how to get them to get that bite. And when you, I think when you get into a tournament situation, you know, where it does turn south like that and the, a lot of people will be like lost at that point because they really, you know, don't know at all what's going on. That's going to help you in those situations as well uh, to have the confidence that you can find them and figure them out. I would say if there's anything that I've become really good at is scrounging for bass. <laughs> like, like some people I'm finally at the point where I'm starting to like be able in pre-fishing to have spots, like find spots. Um, but most of the time up till now, I just am trying to find things that have three or four different options um, for different styles and, and it's, and try and scrounge because the, the just my own feeling is that, yeah, there's going to be fish in spots, but I'm not good enough to find the spots most of the time. So I'm trying to find like whatever crazy fish is like between spots, cruising around, looking for stuff and, and have a few different options at that. But it definitely allows you to be a little more agile. And the hardest part I find is just when do I, when do I change what I'm doing and do something else or when has when is this bite really changed and they're now on to something different because the bites do change and, and trying to have that confidence that okay i can i i don't need to stick it out anymore and keep trying this that isn't working i need to try something else or i need to move to somewhere else and and try that that's that's sort of my biggest challenge now is figuring getting that timing down so that i'm more efficient in the tournament 
to adapt to when that bite changes. Oh. Well, I, I, I gotta ask, you know, you talked about watching like some tactical bass and stuff earlier. Uh -huh. how, how many hours of YouTube do you have logged for like learning different techniques and all <laughs> that? Like just fit, like learning uh, videos for fishing. Uh, Actually, not a lot. If I I spend most of my time fishing and and trying stuff, I may like look at some techniques occasionally, um, or you know, I might watch a video here and there and see how somebody's doing something. But I spend most of my time trying it, um, and you know, I do my own video content, so that takes a significant amount of time editing all those videos and things like that. Even if you know, I do that just for my own. I like doing that, and I feel like it. Maybe it helps other people, um, but I don't know. I <laughs> I think in the beginning I watched a lot, but I just am on the road so much now. Um, I'm I'll be very specific about you know mainly if I'm like researching a water that I'm going to be fishing. You know, I I may watch and see what they're what they're using and the techniques they're using. Um, and, but then I sort of wing it from there, you know, cause I, I don't think it's always that repeatable as far as what you watch on, on TV. I do like the stuff that shows you underwater, what a lure does. I think that's really helpful. And for me, when I'm fishing, I have a mental image of what that lure is doing in the water and what I want it to do. And, and a lot of those videos I think are really helpful when they show that underwater footage to help people get an idea of what it's act, what is actually happening <laughs> when you're, when you're moving your bait a certain way, or you're going over certain material in the water. Um, that's been really helpful for me. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think uh, being good friends with Christine Fisher has to help a little bit too, right? <laughs> She, you know, she's a really good angler and I, I respect her a lot. And, but to be honest, like we haven't spent a lot of time talking techniques or I don't ask really. I don't, okay. <laughs> I'm not, I would, a, I, would, I would have, I, I think I would be shy as well, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I had this conversation with another angler who we were just talking about the tournament and stuff like that and, and where people were fishing and things like that. And, and um, the angler said to me, you know, well, if you have trouble, I have some backup spots and I, and I just like, I don't want to know them at all because for me, I, if I do really well and I, at some point, you know, cash is some big giant check or win a tournament, I want it because I found those fish and I worked for them and I put in the work to figure it out. I don't ever want it to be that I did that because somebody else told me to go somewhere and use this technique and show, you know, dropped a pin or something like that. I don't, I don't feel that helps me any, and I don't want to have that feeling like I, I cheapened my, my success by piggybacking. And so I, I don't, while I know a lot of really good anglers, I don't spend really any time um, trying to glean information. I don't. I don't want that. I have my own way of doing things, and and 
what what somebody else does isn't necessarily something that I can maybe do. They have different styles and techniques. I've got my own and I want to play to my strengths and it may not be the same for the same kind of water. That's why people catching them in all kinds of places. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm stubborn, I guess. Yeah. To, to not focus so much on everybody else and only worry about what I know I can do, you know, but that makes it all the more impressive what you're doing. If, you know, you know, because you really are. Maybe I'm stupid stupid because, because I mean, she, she did say once, like, you know, why don't you ever ask? And it's like, because I don't, I don't feel, maybe I don't feel comfortable in that, but I don't, I don't, I want it to figure it out myself. Yes. I want it. I want to be what I earned and what I figured out. And And I don't want anybody, I don't want anybody holding my hand. If I beat you, it's because I kicked your butt myself, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And you, you did beat her, didn't you? Didn't you beat her in, uh, in the KBBT? Yeah, I did. I, I thought oh, so. Yeah, I, I, I beat, she was a number one seed. And I think I was last, and I beat her on that first bracket, took out the number one seed. And she was fishing in Chickamauga, and I was fishing in a windstorm in Utah, <laughs> a little <laughs> city reservoir. But, you know, but that worked. And that day, um, I fished like three or four different techniques that day, I know, from spinner baits to jigs to skipping uh wacky rigs to you know i did a lot of different stuff throughout the day i was rotating spots and rotating techniques that whole day trying to to eke that win out and i did it and that was that meant a lot to me because you know that's somebody that has been my hero and someone that i really look up to and and no one gave me a chance in in hell they even have any like somebody's fishing of that stature on Chickamauga to have any chance. And I think everybody sort of would like pat me on the head, like good try Kate. And I went out there with guns blazing, trying to prove everybody wrong. And I, I have the confidence in myself that, you know, I can, I can go against anybody, you know, and I'm going to try as hard as I can. And sometimes it's going to pay off for me, but and I, if anything, if you, you're beginning, like, you know, I think that's a good technique to look at. It can be anybody on any given day, on any given water. You just got to find the right bass and put that combination together. And anybody can do that. And I just, I was able to do it. I, other people can do that. And, you know, you just got to have s- some, some confidence and a little courage <laughs> to go yeah. for it. Don't that's talk awesome. yourself out of it. Yeah. That's- yes. That's the perfect mindset, really. Yeah. You know, and I, I have a lot of respect for her. So she'll, you know, she's doing amazing this year. And, you know, hopefully someday I'll I'll be able to earn that and, and be as good at, at that. You know, we'll see. I was, I feel like I'm starting to make some big progress in that. But, you know, and, and I'm quickly, too. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I'm putting in a lot of time, too. Like, I've got. Yeah, to me, I say quickly, but I'm sure to you, it feels like three lifetimes, right? It does feel, it's, yeah. I mean, I'm leaving today, uh, tomorrow, I'm going, I'm from here in Utah right now. And so tomorrow I'm driving to, beginning, my drive is going to take me two days to get there, um, to go to Belton, Texas, to do um, 
there's a kayak tournament for the Texas Kayak Championship Series in Belton, Texas. I've never fished that lake, so a new lake to, to fish. And then, um, then I'm going to Tennessee. I got to get some stuff done up there. And then I'm going to go to Missouri and do the Lake of the Ozarks with uh, the All-American and a Moyak. Um, and then quick back down to Tennessee and then off to Lake Hartwell uh, for the Hobie BOS. And then where am I going? Then I'm going back to Texas and I'm doing Lake Amistad as the last, uh, last lake in that Texas kayak. And then uh, some fun fishing. Of, I'm going to do some saltwater. I am nice. like, let's do some saltwater fishing. And then uh, Sam Rayburn. So, I mean, I'm almost every weekend have a tournament going somewhere against some big sticks and, I'm just going to keep plugging away because all of this is good experience. It's, it's agile learning and um, new waters all the time and new experiences and, the, and all that's going to pay off in the future. Just got to keep putting the time in to do it. And I can't even imagine just the adventure that goes along with that. I mean, <laughs> the fishing is one thing, but the life stories that come along with doing it's, that kind of journey is gotta be crazy yes all the things you must see and people you meet and <laughs> all that it's it is crazy but one, one of the times good. one of the times you come to tennessee you know we need to get together and fish yeah i and that's one of the things i love is being able to meet up with people and go fishing here whether it's pre-fishing or just fun fishing um you know that's to me i mean i'm i'm doing a lot of fishing at tournaments but Really, I, I love the kayak fishing community and I love the people in it and I've made a lot of friends in it. And, you know, uh, you can all the even if you are, do amazing in tournaments and win a ton of money and, you know, all this high ranking stuff in the end, that's all a fleeting, a fleeting thing. And what's more lasting is the relationships you form with people and the people in your life and spending that time because those, that's all stuff that you can't get back and attorneys are going to come and go. But you know, the time you spend fishing with friends is amazing. And uh, I would love to fish with you guys. So anytime I'm blowing through those, <laughs> let's do it. That'd be yeah, fun. Yeah. Hit me up. It, 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 it'll be uh, cool fishing with you knowing you're not looking over trying to see what I'm doing. Like, no, <laughs> you know, I fished with Sean at Dale hollow and he was just watching me the whole time. I, uh, you know, I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> but you know, Ryan, I'll probably get a look over there and I'll be like, I don't even know what he's doing. Like, <laughs> I don't, Ryan, what's that thing called? <laughs> Ryan and I could not be more different fishermen really, honestly. So yeah, I'm coming around. I'm coming around this year. My, <laughs> So far, my thing has been the Ned rig. Yeah, Sean is more finesse, you know, spinning combo guy. I'm more power fishing and bait caster combo. I hate using a spinning reel, but over, over the winter, I did upgrade and you know, got me a decent spinning setup. And I've been killing it with the Ned rig so far this year with it. And now that I have a decent setup for spinning, I'm actually starting to like it and I'm getting better mm -hmm. with it. You know, before. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't accurately cast with a spinning reel to save my life, and I still can't do it very like real good. But you know, I'm I'm getting better at it. But uh, yeah. But I mean, I I I feel like I, stuff I throw is pretty common. You know, 
most of the time you're going to see me with a jig, a Ned rig, or a swim bait with an underspin. Uh, you know, maybe a crankbait depending on the situation, but, you know, that's, that's mainly what I'm throwing most all the time. I'm a... I don't even know if there's really a category for what I'm doing anymore because I feel like I'm doing so many different, I mean, everybody thinks of me of like a Ned rig, but for the most part, like I would say that the one I'm throwing the most is a swim jig, a little small swim jigs. Um, I do, I try and cover a lot of water and, and throw sort of that smaller swim jig or um, uh, swim baits. I do a lot of swim baits as well. And um yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know power finessing. Maybe I don't. Know. I don't now, know if that's a term for that. But so now, you know, a couple of years in, you said you started out with a Ned rig. Now mm -hmm. that you're a couple of years into it, what would you say your confidence uh, bait would be? Like, uh, I guess like your go-to or your favorite. Or I would say probably my go-to is a swim bait. <laughs> I do. Um, I've fallen in love with little small swim baits. So a lot of times I'm throwing a little light uh, swim bait jig head and like a spark shad often. Um, I bought a rod just, just to do that technique a lot more efficiently. Um, yeah, I would say that's it. And my follow-up after that is probably spinner baits, chatter baits. Um, yeah, but I'm also learning so much. So I'm sort of liking the frog and I like that worm. And I just uh, last time in Texas started throwing the fluke and I'm liking that too. So, uh, you know, I, there's so many different techniques and it's really just trying to find the right, right thing to use. But yeah, I like that a lot. But that's, that's awesome. Like, and, and, you know, it's cool to watch you on social media and watch you grow. And every, everybody loves you. And, <laughs> and Thank you. like, I, I'm kind of jealous because, you know, you know, as I guess, I don't even know if I'm, you can still be considered like a noob or whatever, but like, <laughs> I'm claiming like, my noobness. Come on now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Since you're going to call it yourself, you know, you're like the, like the, uh, best known noob out there <laughs> you know and, and you got uh, all these friends in high places it's like i'm a noob why can i have all these friends in high places you know i, I don't get to fish with all, all these like big time anglers but uh no i, I think that's awesome and uh but and, i'm not but i'm not really i mean i'm not i'm not fishing a lot with big time anglers most of the time i'm by myself and doing my own thing. And, um, you know, I, I see people at boat ramps and things like that. And, or I, I may stay in an Airbnb with some people, but you know, uh, people there's, there's, you know, inner circles that share their knowledge with each other, but I'm, I'm not in that. Um, and I, I don't listen to that. So I'm sort of doing my own thing. And my thing is, I just, I try and, and be nice out on the water. I, I like to talk to people, especially like to talk to new people. I mean, one of my highlights this last uh, Bass Open series on Dardanelle was meeting, meeting guys who were in their first ever uh, Hobie Bass Open. 
I mean, they were out there from Minnesota. I, I met a guy named Bob Baller who's in there from Minnesota and just doing his, his own thing. And, and I remember how that felt, how overwhelming it is to go to some big tournament like that by yourself for the first time and on these new waters and how much of a steep learning curve it is. And, and I just want to just tell everybody like you, you can do this. Like the only thing that's really holding you back is yourself on this and, you know, just have some faith and, and go for it. it I mean, obviously only one person going to win it. And, you know, I don't, I don't focus so much that on that because you can't get down on yourself. It's a learning process and it's a trajectory. And that's what I, I, you can't compare yourself. Like I can't compare myself to like a Jody queen or somebody that's just so amazing. And someone that I, you know, I really respect and, and, and look up to that. I can't, compare myself now to where Jody is now because it's all a trajectory at some point in his life Jody was in the mark yeah Jody was in the place that I am now he's just out like on Jupiter right now right (laughs) right so all these people who are are such amazing anglers they've dedicated their time and put in a lot of blood sweat and tears on and, and perfected their craft and they're amazing at it and, and I really value them, but you can't compare yourself and think down about yourself because at some point I will be farther along where I am now. Like I, you know, I went frog fishing and I got an 80 and a half on, on day one and in a national tournament doing something I've never done before. Right. Whereas last year, if I, if I had looked at last year, like I didn't have a rod to frog with, like I didn't have a heavy rod with all this heavy braid. I didn't have frogs. I didn't, that wasn't even anything I could conceive of. It wasn't anything I'd, I'd known. So it's all just a trajectory and a, and a process. And, you know, don't fall into that trap of comparing yourself to where somebody else is right now. Everybody's on that, on their own trip and progress and that, and, and you can do better and, and learn and improve and you just got to apply yourself and earn it. So. It made me, uh, when I used to run a lot of road races. I ran a lot of 5Ks and stuff uh, quite a few years ago when I was younger and more healthy. But uh, <clears throat> I remember my daughter asking me when I got home from a race one time, did you win, Daddy? And I was like, well, no, but I knew that kind of again that I wasn't more than likely going to win because I'm never going to be as fast as the fastest runner. But I told her I, you know, I got my personal best. So to me, it was a win, you know, and that was a big lesson for me to learn and, and it helped me I think when I translated into fishing is to not look at <clears throat> to look at what when I make you know achieve personal goals that's my winning you know yeah eventually you know hopefully the other wins will come as well but as long as I can keep quote unquote winning for myself then you know that's going to build my confidence and yep. help me get to where I want to be but yeah. I think if you're gonna if you're go gonna ahead. compare yourself compare yourself to where you were a month ago, right? Like compare yourself to where you were and and look at the progress. If you look at it every day, you don't see it. But if you look at it a month ago or six months ago or a year, then you can see the actual progress that you're making on that. And it's pretty, it's pretty mind blowing, you know, to think about it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I I can attest that just, you know, before we started recording this a little bit earlier today, uh, saw my memories on Facebook, and uh, there's actually a video of Sean from last year 
uh, whenever we did our bracket tournament, it was a little highlight video from where you hosted uh, while me and Josh Smith from Dark Waters Kayak Fishing Podcast, <laughs> we faced each other. And I remember uh, that. And like, I have, I believe, a completely different jig setup now. Like, I was fishing a jig in that video. I got a completely different setup. And I feel like I'm working it completely different because then mm-hmm. I, it was like I'm kind of like sloppily holding the rod and, you know, and, and I don't know. I feel like now, like I'm holding it better to where I'm not giving it too much action from unnecessary movement and all that. I, I don't know. I feel like I've grown a lot in mm-hmm. that year. I can see it exactly. just in the fish you've caught, man. I mean, you know, if you look at your fish year over year, you've grown exponentially. Yeah. So, yeah, you as well. I'm getting there <laughs> slowly but surely. I mean, we're actually catching fish, so that yeah. <laughs> that, that was the, the that was the first goal that we needed to is actually catching fish and not skunking every time we go out. So we're 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 getting that part down. You know, one day maybe we'll get an eighty-inch limit and start doing. <laughs> you could do it, Ryan. You could do it. You can do it. If someone like me could do it, you could do it. Definitely. You just, you know, just keep plugging away at it. I'm gonna keep keep trying. You know, I, I get out mm-hmm. as much as I can, and uh, but uh, yeah, we'll get there one day. But yeah, yeah. um, th- you know, we're we're a little over an hour now, so we're probably gonna start wrapping up a little bit. But uh, yeah, appreciate you coming on here and you know sharing all your uh, stuff with us. And definitely, when you're in Tennessee, hit me up. And if we can get together, that'd be awesome to do. I'd love that. I love that. That'd be uh, great. You want to shout out uh, social media where people can follow you and sponsors you may have, all that. Sure. Okay. Well, as you can see, Kate fishing—that's <laughs> my YouTube channel. Um, on I have a, a Facebook fan page also as K Fishing and then um I'm Catherine underscore field on Instagram. I don't know I broke the chain of naming on that one, but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and um I'm on the I you know as far as this year I've been really honored to join the the Hobie regional fishing team and and represent Hobie and that's been an amazing opportunity for me and and getting that time in that boat has been wonderful I've put in hundreds of miles on that thing since I got a broken bow I've been covering so much water and uh, it's it's just they just do such a great job with tournaments and, and their product that I'm just very happy to be a part of that and support them and um, I also do um, partner ambassador with Omnia Fishing, and they're an online tackle store. They're based in Minnesota. And boy, I'll tell you what, they have the quickest shipping. And it's been really great when I'm on the road because I can say like, hey, I'm going to be at in Texas or some other place. I can place an order and my stuff's going to get there really fast. And, and they've got a huge selection. And honestly, their their customer service is just amazing they sort of like write little notes you know and you're you get like a handwritten note in your order and and stuff so it and it's great you can make fishing reports for the lakes anybody can become an ambassador with them and you can make fishing reports on the lakes it's sort of a shop by lake kind of experience and it's really good for for people that are starting out 
bass fishing, if you're going to a body of water and, and you really don't know what to bring, they have actual, you know, suggestions there that will really help you and, and what kind of the season, uh, the fish, the kind of uh, equipment that you need, the lures and everything else that you can get some really good advice. There's videos there and, and that. So, um, so those are my main things. So I appreciate the chance to just give a little shout out guys. And thank you so much for having me on. And I love chatting as you could tell. I'm a chatty like person, but I appreciate it. And I hope that it helps other people who are starting out that are interested in doing tournaments and, you know, just don't be afraid. Go for it. And it's a fun gonna, learning process. I was going to say that too. Thank you so much for, for just sharing your story um, and, you know, your progress, your the ups and downs. I mean, that's, I think, what means the most to people and why you're so inspirational because people can see um, how you overcome, you know, every uh, obstacle that you kind of come up against and, and really be inspired by your success so thank and you you're for, so genuine for being an open book i mean that's <laughs> you're welcome I, I think guys that it, people can live vicariously through you if anything you know that's that's really all right cool. well live vicariously through me i'm gonna do my best <laughs> i'll do my best ah <laughs> uh, oh, do my best it's i'm honestly i mean this year i've uh you know i quit my job in I january did. and I was going to ask like, you about that because I'm an IT yeah. guy and I was like, you were somewhat in software, right? Or a game developer? Yeah, game, video games, game, right? Video games, yeah. And I was working remotely and doing all these tournaments, but I quit and I've, I've really trying to take the year to really dive in head first and fully apply myself. And I'm making a lot of progress in that. So, but it definitely is a big leap of faith and it is not. It sounds like the dream, but it's not easy. <laughs> uh, it's not easy. So, but I'm I'm enjoying it, and and uh, yeah, I'm just very blessed to have a chance to do that. And and if I can help other people, um, I'm always willing to talk with anybody. If anybody wants to ask questions or whatever, you can hit me up on my social media, and I'm I'm always welcome to talk. So, so thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Um, it's, it was awesome having you on. And, um, you know, we'll definitely have to have you back. So I'd love it. Hit Sweet. me up on the, where I am next time. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, We'll track you down. All right. All, All right, guys. Thanks, guys. This has been the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment of the Paddle and Fin podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and tips to help you rip more lips. Good night, guys. Later, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle in Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle in Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button, and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.